Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Race podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies or die trying. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. We're closing in on the friends line for the death race with only about a week and a half left as of this recording. Um, I'm actually currently at, I believe, 32 out of 41 features and 5 out of 15 sorts, meaning I have 37 out of 56 films total completed. Uh, in addition to the 10 remaining sorts I need to watch for both live action and documentary, of the 9 remaining features, I've got to watch all 5 visual effects nominees, as well as Greyhound for sound, The Life Ahead, and Eurovision for song, and The Man Who Sold His Skin for International. So, a little less than one feature per day, though with my parents visiting this weekend for the first time, since the pandemic started, since I finally got my second shot, uh, I'll basically have to do about one per day to finish before the Oscar. So, still making good pace, just gotta make sure I stay disciplined to finish the race strong. Now, for this episode, we're going to actually go back to having guests on the show, and we're going to talk about a certain subset of films. Uh, this week, I brought on someone from our own Oscars Death Race community Discord, uh, who's actually in school for animation, and we talk about the five animated feature films, as well as the five animated sorts. Uh, he's got some spicy takes, especially when it comes to uh, Onward, and I have my own strong opinions about Over the Moon, so definitely stay tuned to listen to those, and then, you know, definitely maybe roast us, maybe, or not, or... or, or uh, let's say, uh, respectfully debate uh, when you've done listening to the episode. Uh, in any case, next week we'll also have another couple of guests uh, to go over predictions uh, for who we think will actually win the Oscars, so look forward to that. Uh, that being said, before we get to that conversation, we, let's go through the quick look through the precursor awards. The big awards so this past weekend were the BAFTAs, uh, split over two days. Uh, the big winners here were Nomadland taking four awards, uh, Best Film, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Actress, uh, slitting its lead in to be the big one on Oscar night, potentially in the first uh, three categories, um, and then also further confusing the Best Actress race uh, when now uh, all of the major precursor awards have one different winner. So uh, Vanessa Kirby for the Oscar? Um, let's see. Uh, Anthony Hopkins snuck out a win for The Father over Chadwick Boseman for Best Actor. I believe the first time he's done so this award season, though I believe he has a bit of an advantage at the BAFTAs given that he's Welsh. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya uh, won yet another Best Supporting Actor award, uh, solidifying his lead in the category, and Yeo Jung Yoon had won the Best uh, Awards uh, speech of the night, um, calling the British people snobby to their faces, uh, but more importantly, uh, or maybe not, uh, built on her lead uh, in Best Supporting Actress with a second back-to-back win. Uh, for Promising Young Woman, they won the win for Best Original Screenplay, furthering its lead, and The Father actually took Best Adapted Screenplay over Nomadland, though again, uh, being a European film, it has, I think, a bit of a bias there. Uh, Soul, I think, has locked up its likely Oscar crown for taking Best Animated Film here, uh, as well as also taking Best Score. Uh, and in the documentaries, uh, My Octopus Teacher got another win uh, here, uh, even up against Collective, uh, the only other European competitor uh, also nominated for the Oscars. Um, let's see, another round actually beat Minari in Best Film in the Non-English Language for once, uh, likely meaning that it'll probably take Best Foreign Language Film uh, or foreign, foreign International Film at the Oscars. And then Ma Rainey's Black Bottom took two wins, uh, one in costume and one in makeup, uh, like it did in the Guild Awards, I think solidifying its lead in those categories. And then, I think surprisingly, probably the biggest surprise of the night is Sound of Metal actually snuck in a Best Editing win, uh, which is a bit of a surprise to me. Um, it may actually have legs, I think, now to actually potentially take Best Editing at the Oscars away from uh, maybe no, uh, maybe Land or maybe uh, maybe uh, Trial to Chicago 7, uh, or even The Father, right? That's a really close race. I think this might give uh, the Sound of Metal a really last-minute push. Um, that said, Sound of Metal also did secure best sound, uh, you know, meaning that it's probably, again, literally in that category. And then the production design, uh, Meg secured that category, while Tenet won for best visual effects. The big theme overall for the two nights were that there were a lot of races solidifying their pre-existing favorites leads, um, particularly with Nomadland, with a few exceptions, such as Best Actress, uh, that could be waved away as, you know, British hometown advantage. Now, uh, moving on to the various Guild Awards, uh, the Directors Guild Awards had their categories. Uh, the top prize went to Chloe Zhao for Best Director, uh, which means that, you know, 
pretty much they had all the same nominees for the Oscars in this category, so it seems like you're going to get a win here again on Oscar night. Um, in the Art Directors Guild Award, which is analogous to production design, uh, this went to Mank for Best uh, Design in a Period Film, while Tenet took it for Best Fantasy Production. Uh, given the Mank beat Ma Rainey and News of the World in its category, and the father wasn't even nominated at all for this guild, I think Mank further built on its lead here. Uh, and then for Costume Design Award, uh, Mulan won for Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Film, beating Pinocchio, and Ma Rainey's won for Best Period Film, beating out Mank and Emma. So given that the other awards shows have given this award to Ma Rainey's, I think it's clear that she's the favorite uh, here, with Mulan maybe having an outside chance. So the day the, this episode comes out, April 15th, uh, is the day the, uh, the Academy voting opens. Oh, you thought I meant the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences who presided the Oscars? Ha! Uh, yes, I mean, yes, they are. Their voting does open the day as well, but I was actually referring to the Academy of Death Racers, uh, our online group of Death Racers who actually know what we're talking about when it comes to these films since we've seen every ca uh, nominee in each category, unlike members of a certain other academy. Uh, anyway, the ballots for the Academy of Death Racers should be open later today if they're not already. Check the Discord and the subreddit. Uh, be sure to fill those out so you know uh, our awards so uh, I believe those close on the 20th and then our awards so will be live streamed on Saturday the 24th uh, in any case, I think that's it for the awards check-in. Uh, we do have the Annie Awards streaming tomorrow the 16th, uh, but I think I'll have to wait until next week to talk about, uh, which is the same because it would be a really great time uh, to get uh, some uh, thoughts on the animated race with that in mind since we're about to get into the conversation about animated film now. Um, but with any, without further ado, let's go ahead and talk to our very special guests uh, about their hot takes when it comes to uh, animated films. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So, on this episode, we have somebody who I found on our Discord who was very outspoken about his love for animation, uh, who, based on the way he's been talking about it, I thought it would be a really great fit for discussing the various animated film nominees for this year's Oscars. Uh, it's his first year doing the Oscars Death Race, so please give me a warm welcome to the podcast, Johnny, a.k.a. Pencilhead. Yay, thank you. Thank Yay. you so much for having me. You know, obviously what I know about you is, you know, you're in, you're doing the Oscar Death Race and you love animation, but why don't you tell us like a little bit more about yourself? Like, I know you're in animation school right now in college, but uh, what else can you tell us about yourself, Johnny, a.k.a. Pencilhead? I am a big nerd, as you can tell. Um, I'm a big nerd. I'm a big talker. And that's why we're here. I love talking about movies. I love talking about art. And I love talking about music. Uh, I love to take very long walks, especially when everything is really quiet. And I love the the moment where you kind of just meet someone out of the blue and you just say, hey, and they say, hey, back. And that's something very special. You know, I draw a lot. What are the things that you like to draw a lot of? Uh, pretty much anything that I'm really inspired by. I Like, like I said, I, I go by... You know, the inspiration of DreamWorks, uh, early DreamWorks, traditionally animated films and uh, Warner Bros. cartoons and the current Disney films that came out. Obviously, the world of animation is a big, broad one. But uh, what are your favorite and most influential pieces of animated media, be it television or film? Right? Any particular styles that stand out for you with regard to, uh, you know, what you look for in animated films and what really inspires you? Oh, my God. Oh, I get this question a lot from my personal friends that I've met in college. Um, but um, the thing, the animation has been inspiring me for so long. And I've grown so much to see so many different styles rise and grow. But the one that sticks out the most to me was, um, was obviously Disney and DreamWorks and Warner Bros. But as I kind of got, you know, into like the phase of... Um, uh, you know, high school and stuff like that. I, I, uh, 
I started to go on the DreamWorks and Warner Bros route because you really? know I was yeah because I was um looking up the animators that did these films that made my childhood and the names that always stuck out. Well, the big name for me that always sticks out is James Baxter. James Baxter is a god tier animator who's worked on Beauty and the Beast for Bell. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame for Quasimodo, The Prince of Egypt, Moses, The Road to El Dorado, my personal favorite film. Uh, the Road to El Dorado has forever been my favorite film of all time. A lot of people come at me for it. So, um, it's, hey, no, uh, no, not coming for you at that here. That's definitely a, a valid choice, I feel. Yeah, The Road to El Dorado, I, I live, breathe, and die with that film. Uh, James Baxter worked on Tulio, uh, he worked on uh, Spirit, Spelling of the Cimarron. Uh, which is the film that he's mostly known for. And um, he did um, some animation for Shrek, uh, Shrek 2, I mean. Uh, he did a lot of just freelance work. Uh, he's really known for doing that Steven Universe animation uh, in the last episode. And, I, and that's where it really put him in the map of people noticing him. But, you know, The Road to El Dorado, The Emperor's New Groove, Brother Bear, The Lion King, you know, all of those, all of those films, traditionally animated films, uh, really stands out. You know, for me, obviously, I'm not an animator. I can barely draw stick figures worth my life. But I've I definitely heard that do. So many times, I know. People, but but I, I do. <laughs> I know. But I do have a. I do really enjoy animation. In in some cases, even more so than a you know traditional traditional live action film. I have a, another podcast called Yet Another Anime Podcast, where I just you know I try to watch as many anime from Japan as as I can. Right. So I really love anime and, and animation in general. Um, as somebody though who's like you know hoping to maybe work in, in the animation field um, and going to getting an education there, you know, what is there a difference between appreciating a film like with that more, with that eye for animation that you've had a more formalized training in it, as opposed to kind of like as a kid kind of just passively, you know, appreciating it? Well, I feel like there is a big difference once you get older, you know, sure you have that appreciation and, um, and you uh, start to see, you know, all the things that's so perfect about it. And there's and that and at that time you were a kid, and you're like, oh, this is amazing. I like this, and no one's gonna argue with me about it. But once you go inside that world of you know getting older and actually wanting to do it, yes, there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of critiquing. A lot of critiquing did you that you didn't know that that existed, um, but I feel that I rather still be that kid and appreciate the animated film rather than you know being that person who is just head steady and you know. Just, just trying your hardest to be, you know, the best groundbreaking reviewer and thinking that, oh, I can make a better film than that. You know, I don't like that. I don't like those conversations because, you know, I've, me personally, I can tell, uh, I can tell uh, what a bad animated film is by just looking at it, by looking at the story, by looking at the rendering and animation now. Um, you can tell, and that and that comes from the heart, not from not really from the brain, you know. That's that's all I really have to say about that. I'd rather be that kid rather than be be a person who just sits there and just you know complains about it. <laughs> right, you want to, you want to appreciate it, not necessarily like try to find the flaws with it, right? Appreciate yes. the positives. Yeah, um, because you'll start to notice those flaws if just naturally. It can't just be, I have to find this flaw in order to make a consensus for it. No, you can't do that. And it that comes naturally. That comes with the with the with the gut, you know. Right. <laughs> so so if you are right, like if you are trying to like look at the animated film, right? Like you are if you want to appreciate the positive. So like what are you looking keeping an eye out for? Is it the story? Is it the characterization? Is it mostly like the technique of like the animation? Like what's the most what's the most important thing for you? The most important 
that I always want to see. And this is what Disney, the Walt Disney Animation Studios, this is what is kind of lacking. Just a bit. Um, I want to see more story-driven films. And I know people are going to be saying, well, there are story-driven films. Uh, so talking about, a, you know, making a film about a princess, I feel like that's boring. That's not really story-driven. That's a story that already existed. I feel like they should be more original, like Lilo and Stitch. I feel like that was probably the... And, like Lilo and Stitch and Brother Bear, I feel like those were probably the last original films that they ever put out, and that was it. Very, and, very hot takes for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but what I'm looking for is something that something that they could not do, something similar to what Birdman did, something similar to what Gravity and uh, you know. The Grand Budapest Hotel, Isle of Dogs, you know. Something that pushes the boundaries of the narrative. Yes, pushes the boundaries of everything that it's most normal and most known for. Like, is there a benefit to having a film be animated as opposed to live action? Like, like, what does animation provide that live action cannot? And then the second part is, is, right, like there's this kind of stigma that animated films are for kids, Right. Oh, I hate that. Um, oh, that's yeah. I, oh, I, I, yeah. So we're both on the same page there, right? So, like, obviously, we were kind of in agreement that, like, you can have adult or even more, let's not say adult, like, say mature topics in animation, right? Um, so, like, what does animate? So, to that first question, what does animation offer that live action doesn't? What animation that live action does? It, it, it creates worlds that people don't really, you know, see every day. If you can if you can create a world in live action, I don't I wouldn't say that it's impossible, but it will take longer, you know, like <clears throat> Avatar. Um <laughs> Oh man. Uh, so it shows that it can be something. It can create portals of so many ideas that you didn't expect. So what led you to discover the Oscars death race and led you to want to try to take it on? Well, my friend uh, from another uh, server, um, his name is Como, but we're, we're, we're both in a server that you know supports Austin Burke. Uh, and he recommended this server for me. I was like, oh, Oscar death race? We're going to be talking about Oscars. I love Oscars and I love film. So process of elimination, you know, I rather would, you know, just talk to more people. Yeah. So how's your how's your race going so far? If you don't mind me asking, it's uh, it's going pretty well. I've been talking to a lot of good people. I mean, I'm still trying to get to know everybody. What are other types of films that you enjoy, right? Oscar nominated or not? My top live action films is The Revenant, uh, Birdman, uh, La La Land, Gravity, and Parasite. All right, all right. So yeah, that's definitely some good, some good context. I think for the kind of you know film buff that you are, you know, obviously you're focusing on animation, but not excluding the other stuff as well. Oh so, yeah, no, the live action has done so much, and I feel like animation should kind of get some advice from live action cinematographers and directors and writers and consultants because that'll make the film even more better. With, with that in mind, let's go ahead and, and start talking about these best uh, animated feature films or yes. the best the, the Oscar nominees. So, okay. um, if you've listened to in, in past episodes this season, I've already talked about two of the five nominees for best animated feature film: uh, Pixar's Soul and Pixar's Onward. Uh, the former, I talked in the second episode where I talked to my friend Ed uh, about the number about a number of black films at the, at, at the time were favorites to be nominated for best picture, and then the latter, Onward, I briefly touched on as a film I had seen already uh, by the time the nominees came out. So I kind of just gave a brief overview on like my thoughts on it before uh, moving on to what I needed to watch for the rest of the, the race. Um, I, that, that said, I wanted to give you a chance, right? So, so you know, Johnny, Pencilhead, what are your thoughts on Pixar's Soul and Pixar's Onward, um, you know, uh, either in relation to the death race or just as films on their own? So I wa- obviously I watched Onward first and Soul second. And comparing those two films, uh, I feel like we can all agree, or hopefully we can all agree, that Onward was probably the fairly better one. Really? Onward? Yeah, simply, to to be honest, uh, 
there's so many things that I can say about those two films. And now that I can say it. Yeah, please, by all means, this this is your place. Yeah, it's, uh, it's coming out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, so let's, let's start with onward. What did you, actually let's start with soul since that's the one you didn't like as much. So what did you, what did you like and not like about soul? Yeah. Let's talk about soul for a minute. You know, when you see a film's trailer and you see what comes of it and you just immediately say, Oscar winner. That's it. Uh, And that's exactly what happened. And once I watched Soul on Christmas Day, there was a lot of things to appreciate it. Uh, The the score. Yeah, the score, right? It's it's up for, I believe, uh, best score. Oh, it's going to win, hands down. And the animation of that film, obviously, Pixar does not deny, but there were some, uh, I feel like, because of the 2020 pandemic, it has led animators to kind of not necessarily slack off, but just have sort of a lazy eye of certain things. And I would say that Soul has a bit of those. Um, I feel like the story was getting somewhere and I understood its message. But this is kind of the first Pixar film that really did make me cry because the way that it ended was, spoiler alert, the way that it ended, it was something that I didn't really expect. I thought that because of Joe willing to do this for 22, accepting his fate going to the great beyond, I felt like that would have been a better ending. But getting a second chance just like that, I felt like that was sort of a cheap move. Mm, so you you thought that it should have been stuck, the ending didn't quite stick. You wanted the ending to like go for like the the ultimate the sacrifice that he made at the end. Yes, the ultimate sacrifice. I that would have been man, that would have been the best ending for me in a Pixar film. If they would have done that, then I would have said, yeah, I will praise Soul all the way. All but right. The ending aside, right? Like everything else that 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 went into the film, like the characterization, the technical animation, the you know the the the, the sound, right, and 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 all that, right? Like the build up, right? Like, you know the difference between like the the like the before times and like you know with like the little wireframe people and the and the no sense and then like do real life New York, like all of that aside, all, like ending aside, how is all the rest of the film for you? The rest of the film, I would say. If I can give it a grade, it would be like a solid B plus with Soul winning. Yeah, with Soul just winning the BAFTA, it's locked. It's going to win the Oscar. It's locked in. Yeah, probably. I mean, I will say, right, just to recap my thoughts from, you know, several episodes ago, I think what's that for me is that Soul was definitely like probably the first Pixar film that's more geared toward adults than for kids, right? Like most Pixar films are like, are like kid focused that the parents can appreciate. This one is definitely one that's like parents first. And some Um, teenagers as well. Let's not forget those teenagers that's growing up in this world. That was for them too. Right. And I think it's also just like, like you said, you'll want to come back to this where it's like, you know, I'm like almost 30 years old at this point. Right. And so it's like, it's interesting to like see, like the perspective of somebody in college and their take on it. And then like how I have a similar take on it, but it's just ever so slightly different. I think uh, colored by, you know, being a little bit removed from like that period of my life when like, I'm trying to find my purpose. Right. Um, it's, it's very interesting to hear that perspective. Um, so, you know, moving on to onward, which you say is a better film than, yes. than, than soul. Yeah. I, be- uh, I, you know, I say this because growing up, I didn't have a father. My father was in my life, but he's done a lot of things to the point where he'd improve himself to be one. But when I watched Onward and then telling a story about bringing your dad back, the way that that film was, I was just in it for the adventure. Ian and Barley, those two, their connection with each other, especially Barley, it reminded me so much of uh, the brother-in-law that I have currently. And that's why I related to so much because I never had a brother. My brothers died. And I always consider him not just a brother-in-law, but a brother because he has been there for me for so many years when I was at my lowest. 
I didn't need a father, you know, I didn't need a father to, you know, make me happy. I already have my happiness right here. It's a, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say, right, like, I, I definitely think one that Onward kind of got a sword under the stick, right? Like, it released, like, the week before, you know, the pandemic shut down all oh, the movie yeah. theaters. So I, I think it got kind of the sword end of the stick, frankly speaking. But, uh, you know, I think it's definitely underrated. Um, I don't think I would personally go so far as to say it was better than Soul. Um, but I still definitely resonate on some of the things, right? Like, I have a brother myself, and, and, and I, I, I'm the elder brother, so, like, I definitely felt, you know, uh, a lot of, the affinity of like you know Pixar sewing a film about brotherly love is just one I can definitely get behind. And, you know, being a nerd, you know all the Dungeons and Dragons references throughout. Oh you know, yeah. it's definitely definitely made by day. So you know, one also just you know thank you for sharing your story and why why Onward means so much for you. Yeah, I it really means a lot to me, and I always put Onward in my collection for sure, for sure. So uh, moving on, right away from the Pixar films, right. Um, Got talking to some films I just finished this past week. Um, so obviously, Pixar is the perennial favorite for best animated feature, and as you mentioned, is likely going to win the Oscar for Soul. But you know, they're not the only ones in the race. Um, a, one of the Death Race community's favorite films for best animated feature is Wolfwalkers. Wolfwalkers. This one comes to us from Cartoon Saloon, uh, the same Irish studio behind the Oscar-nominated films The Secret of Kells from 2009, Song of the Sea from 2014, and The Breadwinner from 2017. In fact, they're actually four for four when it comes to their films getting nominated for best animated feature, which is an even better rate than, than Pixar has, though they still have yet to actually win the award in the end. Wolfwalkers completes the so-called Irish Folklore Trilogy of director Tom Moore, um, and you know it includes your favorite animator James Baxter. Um, it premiered at the Toronto International Film Fest last year before premiering on Apple TV Plus here in the states on December 11th. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on Wolfwalkers? I believe this is the only uh, 2D animated film among the bunch, actually. You know, there's always going to be that 2D film that's going to uh, get in the animated race, uh, and we're going to see more of that in the next few years hopefully um but wolf walkers i would say uh i'm pretty biased when it comes to tr traditional animation so i would say that that film was kind of better than soul and onward um <laughs> simply because of the way that film was structured the way that it felt like you were watching a painting come to life and it was it was such a story that because I haven't seen a cartoon saloon film in a long time. And just, you know, seeing it with a friend, it was something that, it was such a beautiful, it was such a simple story, but just beautifully, just beautifully uh, painted in a way where we understood it. In the way that, you know, how we deal, you know, with religion and what goes on in nature all right so yeah for me i think wolf walkers if i had to say i think it definitely was probably the best animated film like in terms of the technical quality of the animation like again i'm also biased toward to the animation um and just kind of like some of the animation here just the way that like the paintings like a living painting like you said right and and you know I, I saw this word being thrown around in discord like the triptychs right like this the sequences where there would be like three panels of the three characters kind of going in in out at the same time and and some of the ways that some of the paintings mirrored the look of like tapestries from that time period yes. um and like, especially like, the like, mother the way that she looked while just sitting there i was really captivated about that yeah wolves wall around her or like the way that like the soldiers would like move down in like a column yes. down like the down the screen or whatever, right? Like those were amazing, right? It it and I really I really love that. I think story wise, I I would personally put Soul Story just a little bit above um, Wolf Walkers. You know, your point from the ending aside, right? Like I think just for me, like the messaging I think of Soul is one that I honestly hadn't really seen in any other story right like so much so much other stories are like you know the, the story and i know we're talking about wolf Hawkins and talking about soul but like the story is like the, the spark is not like your purpose in life it's just appreciating the little things in life like i haven't seen that story so much whereas here right it's definitely a, a great story don't get me wrong i love especially the narrative structure of like 
you know, how Meb was trying to like help her, her mother. And then like, um, and just doing what's good for her. And then like, I forget the name of the girl, even though I just watched the film, the English girl. Yeah. Robin, how Robin went from like, you know, she resented her father for just doing what's best for her and then turning around and doing it for Meb in the same way. Right. Like that kind of narrative structure. Again, I love the story of Wolf Walkers. Right. And I think, I think like the, the nuance I think, and then, and then the story structure, I think was, is definitely great. I think, I personally, and this is me personally, I think like Soul a little bit more story-wise, um, just because it dealt with, I think, like headier, bigger concepts, so to speak. But I can definitely see why many people would say Wolf Walkers they liked more than uh, Soul, especially if you put more weight in the animation quality. Yeah, there were some very unexpected things that happened in Wolf Walkers. You know, the Wolf Walkers was, was a thrill ride of just things that you did not expect when it happened i will say like i definitely did get some vibes of like beauty and the beast a little bit really uh well in 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 like the ending right with like the oliver cromwell character right like he's going like there are monsters we have to go into the forest and burn him down it's kind of like gaston going to like the manor and then like he's and then he he falls off the cliff in the same way that gaston did so like vaguely deja vu and that is also about like like beasts that turn into humans right uh in the end so very vague maybe that might just be a more function of like european folklore just f- featuring a lot of people falling to their deaths and people turning into animals and stuff so who knows um uh, yeah I was, I was i will say right so this is actually my first cartoon saloon film which really? i definitely know i have i have to go now and, and watch more of them yeah watch um, secret of the kills that's their most notable work yeah, so I, I I definitely will, but I actually had a question for you. So I was noticing throughout. So I know like when you animate a character, you start off with basic shapes, right? Like a circle for the head and so on. I actually noticed that like they didn't fully erase some of those like guidelines, right? Like if when I, I'm like paying attention closely, I saw like oh like map like you could see the the full circle that wasn't fully erased for the guideline for the head, basically. Um, even though her head's not like a perfect circle, is that like a trademark of theirs? So just like kind of like adds to their style or or what? Yeah, I, was I, I think we can say that. I think we can say you know different companies have their bit of a trademark. I think it's creative, and I think that you know they can get a pass for it because if you do something and everyone loves it. You have to do it again because people can will love it. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it adds to their like living tapestries uh, feel of their films, right? Okay, so the next film. Uh, now it may be you know it may have been erased until you know Soul locked it up with the Baftas um, between Wolf Walkers and Soul for best animated features. At least in the heads of us Death Racers, right? Um, there are still two other animated nominees. So the first is an American Chinese produced film, Over the Moon, uh, retelling a classic Chinese fairy tale of the Moon Goddess Chang Yi. Uh, this was produced by Pearl Studios, a Chinese film production company based out of Shanghai that worked on DreamWorks uh, Abominable uh, with animation. Prov- Provided by Sony Picture Imageworks. It's the feature directorial debut of Glenn Keane, a character animator of Disney classics like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Tarzan, and Tangled. And it's also was the director for Kobe Bryant's animated sword film, Dear Basketball, that won the animated sword film uh, Oscar in 2017. He sure did. Uh, Over the Moon debuted on October 23rd on Netflix and features an all-Asian-American voice cast for the English sub, including Philippa Su of Hamilton fame, Ken Jeong, John Cho, Sandra Oh, Margaret Cho, and newcomer Kathy Ang. Good cast um, of that film. Uh, yeah, so, so so, what were your thoughts on, on Over the Moon? I, I know this one doesn't have a lot of love in the Discord for one reason or the other. When it comes to Glenn Keane, as you mentioned, his whole you know, biography... And loving this this man and knowing this man's work for so many years and being so inspired by the way that he draws and the way that he creates emotion with these characters, I just become really speechless of seeing it. I love the film. Uh, Over the Moon was something so powerful. It's it, you know the the way that it was technically done. Sure, it was very simple. But you got to give the story some love. I don't care what anybody said. You got to give the story some love because, you know, it it teaches us a powerful lesson that you can only be with someone for so long and you have to move on. And that related to her character. 
there was a lot of emotional beats there. You know, I can't imagine life without my mother. Yeah, I, I think I'll say that, like, you know, on the story part of it, you know, as, as much as we say, you know, animation is not just for kids, um, for better or worse, because that's the way it's kind of marketed. I think it like films like Over the Moon do a great job of introducing like more mature topics like, you know, like we say animation can in a way that almost like Trojan horses them into like, you know, younger people, right? So like, you know, somebody who is dealing with grief and dealing with loss and like how to move past that, you know, an animated film like this could very well be the thing that helps them come around to that. And it's not just, ooh, bright lights and colors, right? So I think story-wise, I definitely agree there. Yeah, and you know, for me personally, right? Like I'm I'm Filipino, right? So I'm not necessarily Chinese, but... I'm very cued into like Asian and Asian American issues and representation. That's what I love Minari this season as it's my best picture favorite of the year. When I did my episode on that a couple episodes ago, one of the things that in my discussion there um, was that, you know, it's a culturally specific film, right? It's about being Korean American, but still tells a universal story, right? Like the film isn't about being Korean American. It's about this universal story of family and the American dream. Absolutely. It doesn't. I feel like films should not do that. Films should not just put a label on like, oh, we have to, we have to do this because he's black or he's Asian. You know, I'm black, and I, and it's like it, it goes both ways, right? Like there's a, there's a point of like you know simply having representation is important, especially when historically, right? Like we're like Asian Americans haven't had historical representation, so any sort of representation on you know a film about being Filipino American for me or being Korean American in Minari, like that is powerful when you haven't seen yourself up yeah, to that. Yeah, and those point. are those those are the most powerful films, you know. But but then the next level of that is that telling films that are still culturally specific but are still about something that's more than just being that cultural that specific culture, right? So like yeah. here here over the moon tells the story about a Chinese and and very culturally specific about you know, Chinese moon festival and what it, and the kind of like all the culture around that, which is a use as a way to frame the larger story about grief and moving on. And, but not in a way that's like, you know, Oh, you just move on. Right. I like get over it. Right. It's like appreciating, like it's a, it's a very nuanced take on grief and still framed in a way that's very culturally specific, which yeah. I appreciate. And people have said that that particular story has been used for so like it has, it has been used so much where you know one parent in an animated film is not there or have died you know but i remember one storyteller you know once said that we repeat stories all the time we follow the same trope the same logics the same principles the same story circles and yet you got to be the one to shape it in your own way. You can use the same story that's been used over and over and over again, and you can reshape it in a way where people were like, I've never seen this before. It's the same story, <laughs> you know, but... All right, it's a, it's a master story, right? Like, you know, Joseph Campbell's, right? Like, Journey of a Hundred Faces, right? Like, you can reduce every story down to that. It's just making it its own thing. One last thing on, like, the story part of it. I will say, like, if there is a critique I have of the film, I think it's, like, the use of the side characters, particularly um, Ken Jong's Pangolin character. Um, you know, he's there. I don't know how much he actually contributes to the final story. Um, I think he could have been, like, utilized a little bit better. But, you know... I think like the main the main cast right of Chengi of Fei Fei and and her younger you know stepbrother um, those were like a solid core. I think like some of the side characters could have been developed a little bit more, um, but you know it is what it is, right? Moving to the technical side of things, was there anything here specific? I have a couple things. Was there anything on your end that's about, you know technically wise uh, from from an animation perspective? Yeah, well the well that's the character design process of this film seems pretty solid. Obviously, Glenn, Glenn Keane and his uh, his longtime partner Jin Kim, who has also done a hell a ton of character designs for uh, Frozen, Big Hero Six, and Moana, and he came on this film, and I thought that the way that the characters looked was very fascinating, very real, and the way that the animation was, the rendering, uh, and the the surfaces of everything it was very solid 
yeah, Changi's uh, costumes uh, were amazing. Oh um, yeah, I yeah. can't knock. Let's yeah, let's talk about that. I cannot knock what they did with her. There were so many things. Like I got to look back into a couple of scenes and just look at you know how she was animated because they they really put their all into that character. And you know, going from like you know the the pop star to like the athlete outfit to you know the her older you know traditional garb to the uh, to like the very end like toward the end when she's like just in a simple white gown like kind she of like so in mourning fashion, and that's what I loved about they were and so, there's so much yeah. range. And then I'll say, like, you know, the other part, I think the two things that stood out to me were one, the lighting, right? So, like, the like the, loom, the lunar beings, what, I forget what they're called exactly. Like, they all had, like, an internal light to them. And the way that the light would interact and then, like, reflect and bounce off of the environments and bounce off of the other characters was just something I, I did. Like, that's the first time I can really think of noticing, like, lighting like that being that big a deal, right? Which maybe, like, the fact that it's noticeable is, like, wow, is, like, calling attention to itself but on the other hand right it's still amazing that it's able to do that and then the other part is like Feifei's hair is really good right like it's so it's, it's not like yeah. you know, tangled or like super or, or or monsters inc right where like you know they have you know hair physics or what like you know individual hairs being modeled maybe they are but like the hair just looks super realistic and not like a you know not like a helmet stuck to her head right one last point that i think like you know similar back to the lunar creatures again you know I think, and, and also going back to the point I made about like kind of the cultural specificity or, or cultural influences, like in the same way that like I think Wolfwalkers drew from like Irish you know mythology and Celtic engravings and 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 runes and and all that. I think the influence here that really stuck out is one, well, one the uh, the scene of like the family arguing over or arguing or just like bantering over like dinner. One, I've been there, right? Even though I'm not Chinese, I've had Filipino dinners like that uh, with my extended family, but. You know, on the moon, I think I've seen some critique about like the lunar, the design of like the lunar characters. I think I would say that that feels a lot like the kind of aesthetic you would get from like idol groups out of like uh, out of Asia, specifically China. Obviously, like Canto Pop probably is what they drew most of the inspiration from. But I could see like you know, like that kind of like that super flat uh, like Murakami style from Japan. Um, it, that's what like these these characters reminded me of. I don't know if I'm like reaching, but that, that's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, it, uh, I love films that have, as we mentioned before, that has a good cultural you know understanding of what it is. You have to be very specific, and I'm I'm about to go in this business where you have to do all your research, where you have to be as accurate as you can be, and that's why I, I kind of resonated with Wolf Walkers and El Dorado and Over the Moon and. I just love stories that you can create from a different world that is not yours. Right. And that's that's what animation does, right? Speaking of other worlds, um the final the final animated film nomination is Son the Sheep Farmageddon. Um this is a stop motion animated film from Ardman Studios, the same studios behind Chicken Run with Wallace and Gromit. Um this is a sequel to the 2015 Son the Sheep movie, which I'll admit I haven't seen. Um but this one released in the UK on October 2019 and released on Netflix in the States on Valentine's Day 2020. Um so I mean I I grew I I definitely wore the VHS for um, chicken Run growing oh, up. Oh, you had Chicken and... Run on VHS too, huh? I did. Yeah. I did as yep, well. Yep, yep, yep. And then, uh, obviously, I love Studio Leica and their stop motion. All that to say, like, I think stop motion animation is probably the most the most underappreciated form of animation out there. I don't know if you agree, um, but it's just take just this amount of technical work necessary because it, it combines, right? It combines live acts and film techniques with an animation sensibility and it's so much work like Leica is barely profitable it only works because you know the ceo is the son of the head of nike stop most animated films are very hard to make money just because of the sheer amount of resources that goes into making the film that doesn't unfortunately get the return that, that you know studios would want but that just means that these films are so artistically pure and they this is like the vision that they have that you know they they do it be despite the the lack of return on investment right so yeah I mean that's that's my rant on stop motion animation. Um, as far yeah. So in any case, right? So what are your thoughts on Son the Sheep Farmageddon? I'm gonna tell you this right now. I kind of chose not to watch it. Like Sean the Sheep, I grew up. Me and my little sister, we were dying laughing. But Sean the Sheep, I did watch the first one, and I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Sean the Sheep Farmageddon. Uh, I feel like it's one of those times where 
a sequel for me kind of dies because you put so much into into something that's profitable and it, and you kind of drain it. Well, I mean that's the thing, right? I I don't know if we I I don't know if you'll say that like it's prof like again we I don't know if you can say stop motion is fully profitable, right? Not as much as it was before. Yeah, so I mean the fact that I don't know I. I, I'm not going to say that like this would deserve to win the Oscar, right? No, like, by no means. <laughs> but I will say I was pleasantly surprised. It had that like wry British humor to it, which like I kind of missed. I hadn't seen it in a while. And then also as like a, someone who loves film and kind of like campy, like sci-fi films from like the eighties, right? Like uh, this made a lot of references to those, right? Like I, like I, there was a lot of references to ET, a lot of references to you know Close Encounters of the Third Kind, some references to Aliens, and then of course being British, you know, references to uh, the Doctor Who throughout, right? It just made me smile, right? It was, it was definitely like no, again, story wise, very basic, right? No real, yeah. As I'm reading it right now, it's it. really basic, and I, and I, you know, even though that I choose not to watch it for a little while i don't want to knock the studio that was behind it i i, I will admit i was one of those who kind of poo-pooed the nomination at first before watching it and then kind of like watching it just made me remind reminded me like you know it's probably good that stop motion stays in the in the view in like in view right like i think it's good that stop motion still gets some recognition of it, of their technical artistry even if it's just a nomination not a win right so like yeah whatever the next you know uh, and, like Wes Anderson live action, like um, like uh, stop motion film is. Um, it's definitely I mean, gonna that, get nominated every time. If he does another one, it's 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 an automatic not uh nomination for me. Yeah, for me, yeah. So I mean, again, sound to see very basic movie story wise, very basic animation. If you love stop motion, which you should because it's amazing, you'll you'll just enjoy for the technical elements. Yes, right? absolutely. You know, so those are the the animated feature films, um, and of course, you know, there's another animated category, which are the animated sorts. And were you able to watch all of these? Yes, yes, I have, and that was a really interesting day yesterday watching all of those shorts. All right, so you know, I'll just go through them all quickly. Um, first up, we have Burrow, which is a 2D animated film from Pixar. Um, it's part of the Spark Sorts series, um, released alongside Soul on Disney Plus about the rabbits trying to build their new home. Um, we also have Genius Loci, uh, Loci, Loci, um, a French animated film by Adrian Marengo, which is a kind of surrealist take. Which what I've read is about like loneliness in like an urban setting. And then there's If Anything Happens, I Love You, uh, which touches on parents' grief related to gun-related violence at their daughter's school. Uh, it released on Netflix November 20th, 2020. And then we have Opera, uh, a South Korean-American animated sword film that took four years to make by Eric Oh, which was kind of mind-blowing. We'll, we'll talk Ooh, about that yeah, in a let's, second. Oh, we're going oh, to talk and about then, that. And then Yes People, which is an Icelandic sword animated film by, forgive me for mispronouncing this, uh, Gisli Dari Hadlason and Armar Gunnarsson. I hope I got those right. So these are these are sword films. Let's just try to do lightning round on these. Um, thoughts on Burrow? The thing that they did with Spark Shorts, I feel like this was an amazing idea because it gives all of these talented artists at Pixar, you know, give them a chance to really express themselves. And Burrow... And, you know, like Kit Bull and uh, Pearl, those films, those type of films did just that. But Burrow was one of those films where I was like, oh, this is kind of cute. I felt like the short film felt like it was the afternoon for me, but it wasn't. It was such a very cute story. Uh, the animation, going back to traditional, I'm so glad that Pixar is putting traditional animators into work. Burrow's cute. It's definitely in the line of other Pixar Disney animated sorts, right? Was like a, it's a cute story, yeah, right? It's a cute story, um, but Pixar, I, honestly, Pixar has been kind of lacking because the last time in we their saw, sorts, uh, yeah, the, not creatively, no. But when it comes to the process of elimination of the Oscars of how they work right now, many Pixar many Pixar shorts have won over the years, and we're starting to see new talent and we're starting to see new artists grow and Pixar has been lacking, which is to me, that's kind of good because we're seeing more talent. And uh, the last Oscar that we kind of seen that I felt that was a beautiful short was bow and Piper to speak on those. Like, I think like burrow it's okay. Right. Yeah, it's okay. I think, it's cute. I think, I, I think, <laughs> 
Bao excelled on the storytelling element, oh, right? Yeah. Where like it told like the story in like a very beautiful metaphorical way. That's obviously comes from a very personal place for the director, who, by the way, is getting her own Pixar feature film coming up. And then Piper is like the story is not maybe not as great as Bao. It's not like a you know a cute story for kids. But like, it was visually of. stunning when I exactly. was like seventeen years old. I was like, oh my I mean, god. Still now it's visibly stunning thinking about it. I get the sand in the water animation. But anyway, so that that's Burrow, right? Let's move on. Let's move on to Genius Loki. What did you make of this one? Uh, <laughs> like I said, new artists are coming in left and right. Out of you know, coming in, popping from different worlds. And I like stories that I want to understand and get. I didn't get any me neither i didn't right. get any I'll of that but you gotta appreciate you gotta appreciate the talent that adrian has the way that he animated his work was just so contemporary and i was telling myself this he is so contemporary and so unorthodox and it works so well it makes up for the short not making sense yeah on a scale of on a scale of like but from being pure aesthetic and maybe not comprehensible to like very comprehensible, but maybe not having as much of a distinct style. Burrow is on one end. Genius Loki is all the way on the other end. Oh, it's like further away from Burrow, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I mean, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a surrealist. You might want to have some of that good stuff before you watch this one if you haven't Absolutely. yet. Like we need more shorts like that, actually. You know, with the way that Genius L- L- Losi had, you know, we. I feel like, well, maybe we do. Um, next up is if if anything happens, I love you. Oh my um, god! This one definitely is like a punts in the emotional gut, um, which I think is, this one is also I think like right in the middle of like being comprehensible but also having a distinct style, like the the metaphor of like the shadows of the parents like talking with each other and reminiscing, right? Like that metaphor I think was very artist artistfully done, and uh, and on the flip side also has like a uh, has like a cult of accent almost like a, a strong message behind yeah, it. Yeah. Uh I've been wanting to talk about if anything happens, I love you for so many people. I just didn't want to say how I felt because I didn't want to get emotional. But like that short film on Netflix when I watched it, uh first of all, for for you guys, for you nerds out there, uh it's by Will McCormack. That's Rashida Jones uh co writer, uh co writing partner. They were going to write Toy Story four, but they left because of creative differences. This short film made me burst in the top of my lungs just it it made me scream and then just start to sink in tears because we get this in america almost every other time when the month is right when the weather is okay we get the most out of it with mass shootings in america and the fact that they put this story out and was not afraid to convey a story like this and make people uncomfortable. That's the type of story that I love. I love stories that makes you a bit uncomfortable, but you got to realize that some of these uncomfortable messages will sort of bring people together with, you know, understanding and with love and with forgiveness. And I felt like that daughter represented every other daughter of a parent of those two parents of any parent and me me and my you know mental relationship with mass shootings especially what happened in florida every time i hear about mass shootings i immediately close up because what took you to this level of insanity to do this to innocent people, especially school shooting. Oh, it just really made me sob for about 20 minutes. And that's my winner. If anything happens, I love you. That is going to be the winner of this year's animated short film. Hands down, I'm locking that in. Yeah, it's interesting because like on the feature films, they tend to be more like the kid friendly kid kid friendly kid focused films right mm-hmm. yeah whereas like for the animated sword films with the exception of burrow they all are kind of more on the either very aesthetically which like kids will kind of be bored by uh scale or like the heavier topics yeah. right um which i have if everything happens i love you falls under so 
Um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to add to that aside from, again, beautiful film, resonant topic, um, and, and also, frankly, probably the winner um, as well. So I'm about to, you know, write my ballot and I'm, I have to rewrite it and there's going to be a lot of changes. But though that short film category choice, that's not going to change. I knew from the moment I saw it in the moment that it made me uncomfortable in the moment that made me cry and made me feel what those parents felt. That's, that's my winner. That's our winner for this year. Yeah. So, you know, well, there is one that I would like to think could be one, but after, you know, after seeing it, like I would really, I was really pulling for this one based on what I had heard about it. But like, there's just, I think something lacking from it. It's opera from, from Eric O. Um, so what did you think of opera? Like, were you able, did you, you know, understand it? Did oh, you get it? I think it was better than uh, genius. Losi. uh, in so many ways, this now that you tell me that this man took four years, four years for this to do, I I could tell this this was a lot, and I appreciated everything about it. It was something I've never seen before. I felt like I was watching a game board come to life. So apparently, the background on this is that it basically he had like you know a number of like animators helping him, and essentially it's apparently twenty four different segments that all interconnect and interlock and influence each other, right? Yeah. And I think the origins is that it was actually like an art installation somewhere that got turned into this sort film, right? So the idea would be it would be displayed somewhere like kind of on loop, like on a nine minute loop basically. Yeah. And you would just kind of be able to like take your time and like maybe you would just focus on one section of the 24 sections for the yeah that's the thing i couldn't even do that i tried to focus on every section that was in there and i and you know or like you follow one person moving from one section to the next over the course of the nine or whatever right and it's like it's one of those things where it's like you would need to watch it probably like two dozen times if not more to (laughs) fully appreciate it at that point is that really a short film really um so I think I appreciate what it's going for. I think, frankly, it's not a good fit for the short film category. I can see why this is definitely intended to be like an art installation piece as opposed to like a discrete narrative, you know, nine-minute film from with the beginning, middle, and end. Right? Like, that's not how this is supposed to be consumed, frankly. I love it. I love the concept. It's just that like as a film, it's like very very experimental and like one where it's like it, i don't i i don't know if i could even want to call it a short film at that point if you want if you need to watch it like 24 times to fully understand it me i i think i i personally feel like it's a short film because as it goes down you see how our world works and you see how the higher-ups really don't get touched and we're and us people we're here you know as you saw on the very bottom you know, you saw, you know, little guys at war and you saw little cages of, you know, just everything that makes a person uncomfortable. Like, I love stories that makes people uncomfortable. Maybe it's because I, like, I don't know, like, I might, maybe I have, like, some undiagnosed ADD or something like that, where, like, I just could not focus on any one section at any one time. And so, like, I kept on getting distracted from, like, the big conflict happening at the bottom. I was, like, trying to see what was happening in the rest of the of the pyramid, right? So, who knows? Maybe that's that's just me. But, like, again, appreciate the effort. I think on a technical level, this is the, no, the most impressive one. Yeah, very impressive. I was, you know, I was just praising it so much. I was like, it's not going to win, but, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so final final one lightning round. Uh, yes, people. I know a lot of a lot of people aren't as happy with this one. Um, it's again, this is the Icelandic one. I appreciated it. I I thought it was really funny. Uh, the ending did kind of throw me off, but I feel that it's that type of short film where you would kind of see it on television. It definitely has like a European style to it, from like other short films I've seen. Now, doing a little bit of research, I found that like the concept of the film. Is that you know one? They only use the word yes. Yes, in Icelandic yeah. Ja I thought that was throughout. funny. And then like the fact that they use and they also use like one song throughout, like but interpreted in different ways, like the recorder kid playing it and like the background song and like the way they use the word yes in different ways to mean different things. And then there's something in there about like routine and people being trapped in routine, right? Like as a thing, like which okay. Looking at it in hindsight with that lens, I kind of see what the director was going for. I'll just say that, like, if I couldn't get that from the film without having read the artist's intent behind the film, 
it kind of didn't work for me in that regard, right? Yeah. Again, not to take away from the piece of work, but it's just like as a standalone piece of film, it's like I don't get it. And you, if you have to explain it to me, that kind of not ruins it, but like takes away from it a little bit, right? Like well, the yes, I, like there's with short films, as we saw a genius, there's there's some short films that that are probably you know were nominated years and years before, and they probably didn't make sense. But, you know, they were still there because of the creative, you know, aspect of everything. That's what we really go for. But, you know, Yes People, I appreciated the most because I had a good laugh. You know, everybody in that particular apartment had a really different story on their own in its own hilarious way. You know, I love short films that go the, go the comedy route. You know, I'm all for that. We don't have enough comedic short films in the Oscars. They're we all don't. Not really. Um but yeah, so you know, like we said, probably going to be if anything happens, I love you for short film. I, I'm presuming. Well, I don't know. I think Burrow probably might have it just because of like the name recognition potentially. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. And and Dark Horse Opera would be my pick. But you know, we'll, we'll we would see. Um, all right. So that's all the animated films. Anyway, what are are there any films in 2021 that you are looking forward to, um, animated or otherwise? The one that I'm really excited for that's coming out in April 30th is, oh God, do I dare say the title? Um, Go for it. I, you know what? I'm going to say Connected because that was the title that they were originally going to give it. It's called The Mitchells versus The Machines. And I'm going to call it Connected. I don't care. It's, it's, it's called... It's called No, it was called Connected. The reason why I love that title more is because you, you were very excited to see what that story was going to be about. And me hearing that title, The Mitchells versus The Machines, like that is just... You can just read that in a comic book. And, you know, Connected sounded like a Pixar film. And... Wasn't that just the one being produced by uh, Lord, and, Lord and Miller? Yeah, Lord I believe. and Miller. Those guys who made Spider-Verse and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They've been... And the Lego been, movie. And the Lego <laughs> movie. They've been with Sony for so long. And, All right. Uh, what, any other films? Animated or otherwise? Yeah, uh, animated uh, Encanto um, from Disney. Uh, Lin-Manuel. Lin-Manuel Miranda is, is... He is. I just looked at what he's doing now, and he's writing songs for two Disney films. That's freaking crazy. And he, the, the man, the man wants his egot. Dude, he wants his egot so bad. He's also doing. Uh, he's also doing in the Heights. That's coming out. That he's doing, and he's directing a film. Yeah, tick tick boom. He's direct. I'm like, dude, you are going to be a busy man for the for a few years, and like I love it. Like he says in Hamilton, the man is nonstop. Nonstop. Uh, Come on, though. That's the best pun ever. Yeah, Dune. Oh, Dune, of course. What about Luca? Uh, the Pixar film coming out. Uh, Luca, I'm not really excited for. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not really all that enthusiastic with it. Dune, that's a film that I'm really going for. There's a film uh, by Alejandro Iñárritu uh, that's coming out. And the film that he's going to be doing is called Limbo. And hearing that title gives me the shivers. The Sing 2? Sing 2? <laughs> no. Nah. <laughs> Gross. No. All right. All right. All right. Um, all right. So I think that's Illumination needs we... to take a break. They need to take a break and actually think about stories instead of this freaking Minions. Oh, God. Banana. A... Oh, the Minions <laughs> movie coming out. I People immediately stop talking about the new Minions movie. And I'm so glad that they did because once that trailer came out, they're like, oh, it's just another, you know, IP willing to drop its donkey It makes money, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, All right. So, you know, Dune, uh, Connected, Encanto. um, Looks like it's going to be a good year for uh, animation. I hope Um, so. Uh, all right. So, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, where can people get in touch with you if they're interested in uh, ranting more about animation um, and arguing that Onward is in fact better than Soul? <laughs> well, uh, the only social media that I have is Instagram. You can follow me at uh, at Mister Pencilhead, and that is my main uh, that is my main art account. I draw a lot. I put my animations up there. Yeah, yep, that's where you can follow me. And I'm always on Discord on the Oscar Death Race. And I hope 
you know, I hope I can come back here again. This is amazing. I, this is my first time being here in this experience, and I really do appreciate uh yeah definitely stick around for a couple more years of death phase and you know i'm sure we'll have more to talk about for anime oh yeah i hope so all right well thank you so much johnny thank you so much mr Pencilhead. um but yeah i'll make sure to link your social media and uh thanks for coming on the oscars death phase podcast my pleasure let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. Thanks again to Johnny, a.k.a. Pencilhead, for joining me to talk about the animated films for this year's face. And also, happy belated birthday, by the way. Um, I'm glad that, you know, you, Johnny, found our little corner of the film watching web on Discord and hope that you, dear listener, uh, enjoyed our conversation, even if some of our takes were a little too spicy for you. Um, our conversation actually went on about a half hour longer than what you hear here. Um, they included a rant about the visual effects category. I just had to cut it, unfortunately, for time purposes um, but you know make sure you ask him his thoughts about those on discord um, he definitely has some great, great thoughts about those uh, in any case I'll also link to his Instagram as well as to his letterbox in the show notes below um, and with that that wraps up this episode of the Oscars Death Race podcast let me know how your death race is going on Twitter at Oscars D race cast or via email at Oscars Death Race podcast at zero.com and also let me know what your favorite uh, animated film is for the race um, and what your thoughts on our hot takes were uh, make sure you subscribe to the show or on your podcast service of choice uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play if you can leave us a review there uh, or even just share this, this uh, podcast with a friend who loves movies any of that is super helpful if you want to directly financially contribute to the show you can do so on Patreon linked in the show notes um, also linked there will be my letterbox account under the username of Ninja Boy Boy with an I be sure to check out the Oscar Race and Oscars Death Race subreddits and the Oscars Death Race Discord as well as the community website uh, music is provided by Kevin MacLeod find his stuff at acompetech.filmmaster.io Editing production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this week. Uh, this has been Paulo of the Oscars Death Race podcast. And until next time, I'll be here trying to watch all of the Oscar nominees or die trying. Mm-hmm.